Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. The views and opinions of this program are not necessarily the views of TalkShoe, Generated Productions, com, and sponsors. This is Nature Talk. Tonight, from the BBC World Service, your news and phone calls right here on TalkShoe. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. This is Nation Talk. Nation Talk is your Sunday evening forum. Broadcasting live. From the studios of Savannah, Georgia, we are a public affairs and news program that deals with issues concerning you from the studios of Savannah, Georgia.
you for downloading from the BBC. For details of our complete range of podcasts and our terms of use, go to bbcworldservice.com slash podcasts. Robben Island. Once the prison Mandela and so many others were sent to serve life sentences for fighting the vicious system of racial exclusion and white domination that was apartheid. Mr. Mandela emerged from incarceration in 1919, and this island became a symbol of forgiveness, dignity, inclusion, reconciliation, and restoration. All those tenets are encapsulated African philosophy of Ubuntu. It's a spiritual concept, and the idea behind it is that we are all threaded together by a common humanity. The notion of Ubuntu was introduced to the world through the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, a process through which the perpetrators of the violence of apartheid could come clean in return for amnesty from prosecution. I'm Audrey Brown, and I'm in South Africa to explore how relevant Ubuntu is today, 20 years after its introduction to the world as the antidote to apartheid. We are a wounded people because of the conflict of the past, no matter on which side we stood. We all stand in need of healing. We on the Commission are no superhuman exceptions. We too need forgiving. We too need to forgive. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission was an exercise in truth-telling where the henchmen of apartheid, some of them black, revealed the murders, the torture, and the disappearances that they'd carried out to defend the system. One of the cases brought before it was that of the Gugule 27, a group of young men who were ambushed by the police and killed on the streets of their township in Cape Town. The details revealed that the hearing was so brutal their families could hardly bear to hear it. Cynthia Ngeu was the mother of Christopher Pitt, one of those young men. She saw images of her son being dragged through the streets on television. Mrs. Ngeu did what so many others did when they came before the TRC. She listened as details of the last painful moments of her son's life were recounted. She cried in anguish, but she forgave. The world looked on and marveled because this amplified the nobility and the generosity of Nelson Mandela, who showed no bitterness at the years he spent in jail for fighting for democracy in South Africa. These gestures spoke to the best of humanity in the face of utter brutality. And at the center of it was Ubuntu. I'm in Guguleto Township in Cape Town, in the middle of a busy thoroughfare, and in front of me are seven granite statues, cutouts depicting the blue sky beyond it, of seven young men who died on the 3rd of March, 1986, as a result of police actions against them. They belong to the ANC's Mkontowesis, where the armed wing of the African National Congress, and they were basically ambushed viciously by the police. The men, all killed at the height of the struggles against apartheid in the mid-80s here in South Africa. I'm going to Christopher Pitt's mother's house to find out how she feels about the forgiveness 
the Ubuntu that she extended towards the man who killed her child now 20 years after she made that magnanimous gesture in front of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that was led by Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And you are the mother of Christopher Pitt. Mrs. Ngeu still lives in Guguletu, where her son was killed. She's a pensioner now and lives with her grandchildren. She reflected on what made her forgive those who'd robbed her of her son. Ubuntu, that is humanity, means to forgive. And during the TFC time, I forgive them. They killed my child. My child who will never be alive again. I said I forgive the perpetrator. The reason why I forgave him is that there is no way that I can bring my child back. And even himself, he could not bring him back. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission finished its work in 1998, two years after it was established. Hundreds of people were forgiven in return for telling the truth. Recommendations were made for reparations and a dossier left at the door of the president to investigate further cases for prosecution. Ubuntu was firmly rooted in the world's consciousness as the guiding light of a South Africa determined to move beyond the ugliness and the pain of the past. Kevin Chaplin decided to formalize the concept, so he established the Ubuntu Foundation in 2006 after an illustrious career as a banker. Ubuntu lends itself to easy translation in all the faiths and all the philosophies practiced in South Africa. Kevin was motivated by the damage apartheid had done to the relationships between the people of the country and by his Christian faith. Being a Christian, it's not about the, the rules and that. It's about really just being a servant on earth. For me, God puts us on earth for a reason, and I want to be his disciple and go out and and really just shine for God and be a light to the world. I mean, it was Archbishop Tutu who actually many, many years ago taught me God cannot wipe away a tear or put a hand of reassurance on someone's shoulder, but through you and you and you and me, he can. We are his hands and his feet on earth. I went to visit his office in a nondescript suburb of Cape Town. For the last nine years, I've been running monthly business breakfasts where I bring a mix of 120 business people of all different color, culture, religion, language together, uh, an Ubuntu music and food festival once a year. And it was tough, let me tell you, uh, it wasn't easy. Any money that we raise there goes to these projects. The best compliments I've had through the Ubuntu Foundation is people writing to me and saying, thank you so much, I met my first black friend. I'm a 39-year-old white female and I've made my first black friend. I sat next to her at your Ubuntu event. Now we meet regularly. I've had other people say, wow, I'm doing business with that person now, and that's what I'm all about with the Ubuntu Foundation. Creating a scenario where they're comfortable to now meet one another, but also take away the prejudices. You know, oh, all black people are this, all white people are that. There was a, a woman, a Jewish woman, who five years ago came to one of my Ubuntu breakfasts, and she called me up after and says, do you know that I was immigrating? I had made a decision 
This country was going down. I didn't want to be part of it. I was immigrating. I heard Becky Sabir, your speaker today, and he blew my mind away. And I thought, if there's more black people like him, I'm staying. And she stayed, and she's still here. And funny, she didn't think if there were more white people like her, I would go out and listen, that would make us stay. That's a very interesting perspective. Exactly. You're right. So it's just about getting people to think differently. That's what I want to achieve through the Ubuntu Foundation. Kevin took this hunger to find out about all South Africans and turned it into a fundraising machine for the work he and his team does in the black townships around Cape Town. The programs benefit around 2,000 children who would otherwise have nothing to do after school. Pelisa was once a beneficiary of the scheme, and she showed me around. I'm Pelisa Ngonzi. I'm 28 years of age. So from being the participant, then I was a facilitator, and then now a coordinator. So you're in charge now? Yes, I'm in charge now. <laughs> okay, so tell us, what's the name of the school? At Sia Zingisa Primary School. Okay. So we have the performing arts, the sports, the literacy programs. So they are divided in different classes. Okay, so what, where are we going now? Oh, okay, now we are going to the foundation phase, which is the little babies, my little babies. So maybe they're going to show you some of their things that they do. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm in a classroom full of little children. They're probably all under the age of eight. And they decided that they're going to sing a song for me. Bikers Club, a group of black men who enjoy their success, but in keeping with how they were raised in the days when they had very little, want to shade with those in need. We call ourselves the Sopranos because if you listen to those bikes when they rev, the sound is amazing. So we have some songs that we make on bikes, so that is where the Sopranos are inserted. 
You know, it's all about simply saying that I cannot be well off when my neighbor is hungry. You know, when we eat, we all eat together. And I remember when we were growing up, for example, it was Christmas Day. Uh, you know, as kids, you'd walk into any houses in your streets and just walk in, you'd get a plate of food, wherever you are. You don't even have, they don't have to know you walk into any house, you get plate of food, you get biscuits or anything like that. That's, that's an African. Ginger beer. Ginger beer. That's an African way of living. I mean, you know, there was a time, for example, if you look at the entire, you know, olden days in the village scenario, there were never people who were poor in villages. Even if those who were poor, the entire village would share the food. Unfortunately, we've become so modern that we close ourselves in high walls, and now we actually even not even know our neighbors, which is quite an embarrassment. But we still want to create that spirit of a wound of killing for our, our own people. The Sopranos do eight charity runs a year. We just want to you know, show that bikers are actually quite a caring community, and there's a very strong spirit of a wound. If you look at uh, the trail run that happens annually, I mean, you get about 30,000 bikes riding from around the entire country to one place, you know, uh, but to give, you know, to buy some toys to bring happiness to the kids. As Africa and the other sopranos thrummed off into the distance on that Sunday morning, I noticed a group of women in blue and white uniform who'd been taking pictures of the shiny bikes. So I decided to do a quick straw poll. Yeah, that's an African. Umuntu, umuntu ngabantu. Zulu. It means caring for each other. Eh, neke butswana ni. Matokusha mabat. Yeah. Um, what I actually mean is that you have to care for your neighbor because whatever happens to your neighbor, it might happen to you as well. I see that that you belong to the Anglican Women's Fellowship. So, is that concept? Religious or cultural for you, the concept of Ubuntu? Religious. Religious, so, religious yeah. So it's part of your Christian tradition, Ben yes, Belief? Yes, yes, it is. And how do you show it? Right now we are on our way from church. We attended the 8 o'clock service. We are on our way to two of our old age people, the veterans of the church. We are going to hand over groceries to them today. And that is part of Ubuntu. Yeah, I see. What else do you do? <laughs> we go to school. We go to school. We buy them full uniform and test because most of the kids, their parents are unemployed. So we're giving them, we're meeting them somewhere, halfway. Okay. Now, a lot of people say that Ubuntu is something that is dying in South Africa, that people don't show Ubuntu to each other anymore. Do you agree with that? I think it's an individual thing. If you are born with yeah. Ubuntu and you are brought up with that concept, you you'll grow up to practice it. You know, for instance, my kids, they started their schooling in a Christian school. And wherever we go, if I'm driving with them, they'll have coins um, put aside to say, but so let me give this to somebody, uh, to, to this person at the robot. It might help him in one way or the other. Even if I, I, I discourage, I say, these people are going to buy drugs. My one boy would say, it doesn't matter what he does with the money, but at the end of the day, I'm giving it for a good cause. If he misdirects it, it's up to him. I see. Mm. So he understands the concept yeah, of giving it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, How does it differ, though, from charity? What is the difference between Ubuntu and charity? I think that they are interrelated because you can't be charitable if Ubuntu, if, if 
you don't have it in your heart. Okay, what's your name? Maria. And you? Catherine. Amelia. My name is Audrey, and thank you very much. I'm from the BBC World Service. It's just a program about Ubuntu and whether it's alive and well in South Africa. So thank you for showing me that it probably is. <laughs> but is Ubuntu just about plugging gaps in an unequal society, or is it more than that? The Archbishop of Cape Town, Tabo Mahoba, helped puzzle it out. What elevates Ubuntu above charity and other Christian principles like do unto others as you would they do unto you or love your neighbor as you love yourself? I think what elevates Ubuntu into its rightful position is what I call the missing element in South Africa today. We were very courageous in those days. We faced the might of the South African government. Remember, they had the nuclear power. They had all sorts of things. But we were armed with Ubuntu, that we are going to appeal to their humanity, such that that humanity shone. And I think South Africans now lack that courage. They lack you know, the boldness to say, we will make Ubuntu a reality in terms of unemployment, in terms of service delivery, in terms of participating in the economy in terms of making our lots uh, better rather than waiting for the government. So we need to rally people around and say, come on, we can do it. We just need the courage once again to be won. Yolanda lives on a small holding north of Johannesburg. The area is sparsely populated, wonderfully green, and a perfect setting for children to grow up in. Yolanda lives there with the 36 children of all colors that she looks after. For her, Ubuntu is about relationships. One of the people who works with Yolanda is Sue, and Sue's experiences demonstrate this idea. Nice to meet you. I'm very pleased to meet you. How do you do? She's doing a documentary on the sword of Ubuntu. Oh, lovely. Together now. Right. I don't look too glamorous. No oh, don't worry. Normal look. Oh, see how I look. Okay. Can we, we do it? Yeah. I think Sue's had huge transformation okay. relationship. My name is Sue and I come from a very, very Afrikaans family and I always had sorry about this <laughs> um, a thing between black and white people and I'll tell you why because my sister got murdered ten years ago. Through her relationship with these kids and our staff and our people that love her for who she is I think that led it to a point where when she got the theory and the experience of what it means to be set free from hatred, yes. from bitterness, from all that, to make the choice was in a choice she physically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I made the choice on my own. But I couldn't do it on my own. And also something I learned, you cannot forgive if you don't love. And the minute I learned how to love and appreciate everybody around me, forgiveness came. The death of her sister at the hands of black killers sent Sue reeling. Yolanda counseled Sue and offered her a place to live among the children she looks after, but it wasn't easy. I got hooked on sleeping pills, tranquilizers, painkillers, and first of all it was a shock to me because I've only got one child. And yeah, I walk in with 35 little kiddies. <laughs> how old is your child? Uh, 45. So how long ago did you come? Uh, five years. And your sister was murdered 10, ten years, years ago? Yeah. 
and she was killed by black people. Yes. Oh, I was terrified of brown people. Oh, if I saw one, I was running away. And then I came here, and with my Yolanda's help, I found the Lord, and changed my life. And I don't see any different in color. They like my kids. I love them. They bark with me. They sleep with me. And I just cannot be without them. I stopped taking sleeping pills with Mama's help to find the Lord, and my whole life is changed. Do you know what Ubuntu means? Togetherness? Yes. yes. That is what I found your Ubuntu. And, and they've healed your heart. They healed my heart and my relationship with them, and I just cannot be without. Well, we're 90% young people on the farm, and they like sisters, daughters, grandchildren, no difference. Sue's background didn't make things among Yolanda's charges easier, coming as she did from a conservative white Afrikaans family. Look, to me, Mandela was the greatest ever, but it was difficult for me when he passed away because my dad was one of the policemen that got him arrested. Really? Did your father ever talk about that? No, never. Uh, no. You mean he was directly involved in the arrest? Yeah. yeah he, when he got banned to Robben Island, he was involved. And, but, um, yes, my family, that's a little bit different. You mean they're still racist, in other words? Uh, Some of them, yes. But when my brother came here, he is RBB, by the way. He was. Okay, that, that, that's an, a very violent right-wing organization. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he came here twice, mm-hmm. once or twice, and he actually cried when he saw the love there was between us and the brown kids. And to him, there is now, he prays every day to the Lord to make him strong enough to still believe that there is no difference. Can I just ask you, when you were growing up, are there examples that you can think of in your mind of how black people were treated by your family or in your community? I lived in a little place called Lichtenburg, and I think that's where actually it started getting to me that what is happening in this country, nine o'clock and alarm went off, and all the brown people had to run. They weren't allowed to be on the street. Uh, to me, somewhere in my mind, it was always the wrong thing. And also what I found very, very wrong in those days, they never called you by your name. You were Mrs. or Mr. or Master. Somewhere in my mind, that always, it wasn't fair. But you didn't act on it? No. I scared of my dad. <laughs> what would have happened if you had treated them as equals? I think he will kick me out of the house. So what would her father make of how she lives now? Would he turn in his grave if he saw you living amongst black children, helping them, loving them, embracing them so openly? I think he will. Yeah. (laughs) No, I think he will. (laughs) But I was amazed with uh, my brother's reaction. Whenever he finds or sends his love to the little kids and the brown star and... Amazing, and we had a team here, and the guy drew a little picture of Jesus and the church, and little dollies walking up to to the church. Okay, and I couldn't get the meaning of it. 
And eventually, I got to the meaning of it. It means that God has chosen me for certain people to lead to him. And my sister's very ill, and she actually phoned me to say that she now believes in the Lord. She's forgiven the people that killed our sister. And as soon as she's better, she wants to come here so Mama can baptize her. And it makes me very proud to know that, at least in my family, there's two already that each follow In this path of Ubuntu, would you Ubuntu. say? Yes. Thank you very much. I'm so very, very honored that you shared your story with me. Thank you. Thank you, sir. South Africa is still a much troubled country, and the optimism of the era in which it embraced Ubuntu has darkened into anger at unfulfilled promises, ugly spats over racism, and recriminations, as many feel that their generosity in extending Ubuntu has been thrown back in their faces. So was it right to ask people like Mrs. Ngil to forgive those who'd wronged them? Yes, the bishop was right. It's a good thing for us in South Africa to live in peace and harmony. Archbishop Thabo Mahoba, who's taken up the mantle of Desmond Tutu, reminds us of both the spiritual and the political roots of Ubuntu. It was recognizing that we are crushed, we are demeaned, we are made to feel less than human beings, and we live in squalor and poverty. And we started reflecting as South African and said, when the dispensation changes, we, we will never subject anybody to what we've been subjected to because what was being done to us was sore, but it was equally sore and demeaning to those that were demeaning us and diminishing us. The struggle against apartheid also took its framework or its essence from the nature of God and said God created all of us black and white out of love and we need to make that life and love to shine. So Ubuntu was wanting to tap that essence. Archbishop Desmond Tutu's Ubuntu was produced and presented by me, Audrey Brown, for Heart and Soul, from the BBC World Service. There are dozens of different podcasts now available from the BBC, including news, documentaries, science, business, arts and sport. For details of them all, go to bbcworldservice.com slash podcasts. What are the limitations while employing minors? Stay right there. Today's legal alert might just keep you out of trouble with the law. Here's attorney David Gibbs Jr. of the Christian Law Association. A Christian school comprised of a K-12 academy and a four-year college allows the college students to work on campus to help cover the cost of tuition. The students never receive cash, but they are given an earnings statement at the end of the school year. The school's financial administrator contacted the Christian Law Association for advice concerning how to handle the financial records of 14- and 15-year-old students who work for the school. One of our attorneys explained that the minors should be treated exactly the same as the college students. Our attorney then advised the administrator to remember that minors are limited by federal employment law to less than 18 hours of work per week. 
when school is in session. That's attorney David Gibbs, Jr. of the Christian Law Association. And you can continue today's dialogue by exploring the resources waiting for you at our website, christianlaw.org. You can sign up for our free monthly newsletter or connect with an attorney at christianlaw.org. In times like these, strangers at your door should be treated cautiously. But unwelcome strangers in your home can be your worst nightmare. Home invasion is a form of armed robbery where criminals break into homes through unlocked or open doors and windows. They even trick people into opening their doors to confront victims face-to-face. They can be after money and valuables, threaten personal assault, or take members of the family captive. But you can be proactive against these disturbing attacks. Learn how to protect yourself against home invasions. Never open the door to strangers. Secure your home with high-security locks and quality door and window hardware. Consider a home security system and even a dog. It's also a good idea to devise an action plan for your family in case intruders ever do enter your home. To learn more about how to keep your home safe from intruders, visit ncpc.org. That's ncpc.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. When you went car shopping, you meant business. You aced vehicle history searches and test drives. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Now, the views and opinions of this program are not necessarily the views of TalkShoe, Jam Radio Productions, and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk. Good evening and welcome to Nation Talk. You've been listening to a BBC broadcast. And I hope you hope you enjoyed these BBC broadcasts we're gonna bring to you uh try to bring to you throughout the summer. Mike Mike. Good evening, sir. How are you this wonderful day? Great. I'm glad to hear that. And how does it feel to be free? Oh, man. (laughs) It feels really good. (laughs) I hear that. What do you think about this uh, forgiveness and reconciliation? Well... We're supposed to forgive, we're supposed to let it go, and we're supposed to reestablish ourselves with our enemies. Those who want to become our friend, they should be accepted as a friend. That's what, that's what the originator and the foundation says. But, hey, but, that was a hard pill to swallow, my brother. Yeah, and we need something like this. We need something like that, what they have in South Africa, um, what they experience with apartheid, what we experience here 
um, during the time when uh, from especially the civil rights movement, especially the time during the, the 50s and 60s when uh, it was really, really, really bad at the time. Well, what time, um, let's see about the, I think it started like about in the 50, 58, 59. Well, and then by the time the 60s came around, it was really in full swing. Yeah. No, it, so it, the off pass was in 64, 65, something like that. Yeah. But, the, but it goes back a little further than that, though, because of the, right after Rosa Parks, if I remember correctly from my history, it started with Rosa Parks. Well, well, it started with Rosa Parks and some others before before that. It was one. It was one other person. Then it was Rosa Parks. Um, uh, like like the fifty five, fifty six, something like that. A little further back, I think. But well, don't forget about Emmett Till. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And Strainer and the two the two Jew boys. That that was something to think about. That that helped that helped strike the match, you know. Yeah, it did. It did. It did. Cause um um it it, it really got a full swing, really full swing, and went public. I mean, really, really went public. It was after um after. Um, uh, uh, Rosa Parks, when it really went public, that's okay. when Dr. King got involved. Right. Yeah, and that's when. He was. That's when, hey, I just said that's when all hell broke loose. Oh yeah, and he he was very he was he was he was a very young preacher at the time. He he, he just finished seminary. And and everything, and he, I think he just got married. I think he just married Coretta, and I think he started having um, one of the kids at the time. Okay. And he he was just he was really young. He, he was a, he was really young. How old was he? When he passed. He was thirty. Thirty nine. He didn't he didn't see forty. Right. So. He he started out real young. With, he started out real young with the civil rights movement. That fact, they they selected him for it, and that's and as they say, the rest is history. The rest is history. And you know something else I'm looking at too. While you uh, while you got all of the uh, credentials and everything, <laughs> you know. There wasn't like an organized situation where they said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna organize this and we're gonna form this organization." Da 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 da. It was just something that started as a grassroots situation and started escalating into something. But as it was escalating, and growing, it became a organization. Yeah, slowly but surely, it it started to. And uh-huh. it it was it, especially down south. 
that's where it really ignited the fire when it hit down south. There were a lot of Southerners who didn't like the idea, like they did in South Africa, they didn't like the black Africans to rise up against the government. Um, so they started arresting people and they also killed some, they also killed some people as well. I was listening to that and uh, and it really surprised and amazed me to find out that there was also a few black Africans in the apartheid movement. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow, now you really got me on that one. I I I heard about some of it that was in the apartheid movement. I've heard about a little bit of it. And the first time I heard about it, I was just as surprised as you were. Wow. And I'm going, what? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, get out. And this sure enough was. I'm going, wow. This is. You know what that's, uh, You know what that sounds like? And this is not funny. This is not funny at all. It sounds like a couple of black people in the Ku Klux Klan. Exactly. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> a black a black clan. A black clansman. All they is they don't have any sheets. I guess they I guess they um was washing the sheets at the time. I I don't know. Uh Oh you know that. You know that. <laughs> now that now that's now that's something to blow your mind too. Yeah. You go, I mean, you go, it, out, it, and hang, you go out and hang a couple of black people, you come back and then un unhaggy and unmaiming, you gotta wash them uniforms. Yeah, and it's, and it's from, black, black kittle. Yeah, it, it here in America and over in South Africa is so parallel until it's uncanny. Mm. Uh, they had apartheid. We had we had uh, we had the civil rights movement. It, it's it's so parallel. Well, they they jailed they jailed um um Desmond Tutu. They jailed Dr. King. You know, um, you what you saying that that uh like I said both of them seem to be on the same parallel. Yeah, like apartheid over there, but over here they would call it Jim Crow. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? So wow, I heard stories. I've been. I hear stories that was it was very strange. And when I first got here, and I was working with um, I was working with um, this newspaper, local newspaper, uh-huh. black newspaper, and I, and I know the family pretty quite well. And there was my boss was telling me that uh at certain street you couldn't you better get off at that street at the ter- at that time of night when it gets dark 'cause the police officer will come to you and say, Hey boy, 
what you're doing over here. Mm-hmm. And it's just not that far from where we are now. It's not that far from where we are now. And and now it it's it's uh it's gotten better uh, it, it here in Savannah somewhat, but not completely. I'm not gonna say it's been really better, but it's gotten it's it's gotten better. Some of the segregationists will probably be just they they'll, they'll probably ball up and die if they see some of the stuff. Because <laughs> I see mixed marriages. I mean, I, I I never seen so many mixed marriages in my life for the last some odd years. I'm going. Mixed relationships. I'm going. Wow, this is right, so now. cool. That hey, thing. I got one. I got one for you. Here, here in Bridgeport, like where I live, right here, right now, this was more or less a Polish and Russian neighborhood. Really? Yeah. This is going now. This this is going back in my time. Uh, back in the uh, I said late fifties and sixties, up until seventies. Okay, okay. So we bought the house in eighty something. But anyway, the other side on this street, right, it's called East Main Street. On the railroad track side going downtown, it was Spanish and black. Oh. Coming up the street past the railroad, it was a Polish neighborhood Polish section and Russian, right? Hmm. Now if you now dig this, you had a place called uh Yellow Mill Village. You could not come up East Main Street walking going to the village. You would have to go down this railroad where the railroad track is, go to underpath is another street called Seaview Avenue. Where they have Remington Arms, where they used to make the bullets for the for the war, oh. a lot of factories to go into, uh, go over to the village where the uh, the ghetto is. Oh. All right, now because if you walk up up East Main Street, back in those days, you don't walk up there because the police didn't bother you because the neighborhood did. <laughs> For real. Great. Then what? Anywhere, like over here now, we have uh, a Washington Park where P.T. Barnum made the park, right? Okay. Everything on this side of the railroad track where the park is, the P.T. Barnum, the, the streets, everything, the funeral homes, the, the businesses, and all of the people, they was close neighborhood a close section if hmm. you was a black person you had to either be working over this way or taking care of some important business if you're going through during the daytime it was all right you're going through but if you come off the main street don't go off the main street talking about going and just knocking on somebody's door 
unless you had a really, really good cause. What? And then when they start, when the Puerto Ricans first started coming up under the bridge, coming up in this neighborhood, the Polish and the Russians started moving out quick, fast, and in a hurry. <laughs> this ain't no lie, man. This was like, it's really, really scary. And then it's like, what? Oh, very few blacks came up. The Puerto Ricans, like, they took over. It's just like, uh, how you say, you leave in the neighborhood and somebody come in and take over? Yeah. That's what they did. And now it's all Spanish over here, just about. Except what? for maybe about, I said, we have less than 20 black families in this neighborhood that own houses, own homes. Oh, nice. And the rest of them are renters. All the black people over here mostly are renters. Okay. Very few homeowners. Huh. That's what I'm talking about. Hmm. <laughs> and they call this a historical uh, uh, area, a historical society. Oh. Okay. You could not remodel your home unless you got permission to do so, and it had to be exactly the way it was back at the turn of the century. That's how it is here, on and in, in certain in certain areas. Um, down, well, let's see. Down, well, not going downtown in downtown Savannah. Uh, it's the same way because you got a lot of old homes that that which belong to people at turn of the century or um that was built and so a lot of times they a lot of them they live in it. Sometimes they they use it as a bed and breakfast place. Which uh-huh. is nice. Which is we got we got a pretty good many bread and bed and breakfast places here. Which is, you know, pretty nice. Good. Um, uh we still got problem with with uh, plight here. With the plight problem. Because oh, yeah. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of property, and the, the city council is trying to do something about it. And this is one of the mayor's pet projects. Um, one of his pet oh, projects. Clean, clean, clean up the neighborhood type thing. Yeah. Um, okay. Um. So far, so good. They've been they, they they got some of it, but they haven't gotten all of it yet. It's just it's right now. It's just hard to find. The the persons who once owned it, because some of them they pass it on to their kids and then and then they hold on to it and then they pass away and they don't pass it on to anybody else and you don't know who property is who. Right, right. So it's kind of it, it's it's a slow process now because of that because of uh we don't we don't they don't know they're still they're trying to find out who's who owns it. You know who owns the property and things like that. It's a slow process, but you know they 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 get it done slowly. It's a slow but surely process, but it's getting it's getting done. It's getting done. Okay. Um, that you can go anywhere in Savannah almost. You can see on any side of Savannah, and you can see these board up houses. Um. 
which is which was once was owned by some folks, but you know, like the people who owned the property, and all of a sudden they they die, and maybe the family who once owned it, you know, the children who once owned it probably moved away and, and completely forgot about it, and also you know, you know, so they but they're trying to redo it. They um the the school here, Savannah College Art Design, they are one wonderful this this is a one this is a great school. They have a they have a they have a um students who who specializes in um architecture. Oh, okay. And what they do is they they actually go and we and help we um we do old buildings and they've oh, done and they, they have done that they have done that lately for so many years they took an old synagogue and turned it uh, I, guess, I think it's a uh what is it now uh art gallery or something it was an old it was an old Jewish synagogue that was downtown. Oh. They they changed to an art gallery. They changed. They they used. Uh, they took a, a old. Um, it used to be a. Um, a place where you do shopping. One of the big stores. One of the big stores in Savannah. They took that. and made it up to a. Made down art gallery. They've turned, um, they've helped with different projects around here. The school that, matter of fact, right across the street from what what we are at now, I can look out my window and see, used to be the old 37th Street School. We used to go and, we used to play, my, my little brother used to go to that school. Oh, yeah. and, and we used to go in that, in the yard during the day and play basketball. That was our, this was before they built this building. This was long before they built this place. And they used to, they used to, we used to go over there and play basketball over there in the schoolyard. Hmm. Now it's a, it's a, it's one of the classrooms for Savannah Cotton Arts, Arts and Design. And they do a wonderful job when it comes down to, um, redoing uh, old buildings and old homes and things like that. And yeah, I'll ask you a question. Yeah. Did, did Savannah do like they did here and some other places? Like if a building was abandoned and it started deteriorating, the city was here will go in and sit intimate domain. And they would tear that building down or either burn it down. Uh, I think they do. I I think they do. Ho, 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 hold on a minute. Hold on. We are coming up at the top of the... Oh, I got too much speaking here. Thank you. This is Nation Talk. Hey, this is 
Reba McIntyre, and I wanted to take a moment to talk to you about a serious problem right here in our own backyard. Did you know that there are nearly 16 million kids struggling with hunger in America? That's one out of every five precious children in this country who might not get to eat dinner tonight. But hope is just around the bend because there's enough healthy, nutritious food produced in this country to put a smile on the face of every last hungry kid. And that's when the Feeding America Nationwide Network of Food Banks steps into the picture. They collect surplus food, engaging their communities in solving hunger and giving hope to the hungry kids and their families. But they need your help. So join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank. Find out how you can help at feedingamerica.org. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council.
back to our second hour of Nation Talk. In the last hour, we talked about uh, forgiveness and reconciliation, and uh, we're going to go into our new segment in a few moments, uh, especially the update on the boys, the, soccer, the, the kids who were, who, from what I understand, they have rescued some of the kids, some of the, some of the boys, in the cave, uh, for what I understand, this what I heard this morning. Uh, I don't know how much of the rescue, how much more they rescued, but uh, we hope, hopefully, they'll get those kids. They'll get those kids out of there, out that cave. Um. Plus, there's another, there's a heartbreaking story I, I, I found on the net. It's very heartbreaking. Uh, uh, it has to do with a child. Uh, it, it, it breaks my heart every time I read, every time I see these stories about, about something happening to a child. Especially infant. Uh, but to ask you a question, Mike. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. To ask you a question. Sure. They do tear it down. Uh, some some of sometimes they tear it down. Sometimes they take that same place and we do and we 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 do it, depending you know depending on. On the condition of the of the building, sometimes they condemn it and just knock it down. But they do it; they do that here too. Uh, they, a lot of times, they but like I said, they take old buildings and they just re- refurbish it. Old old buildings. Matter of fact, they took a they took a bank. Used to be a bank a long time ago. I understand, used to be a bank, and they turned it into. I think it's another. It's it's part of SCAD. I know it's part of that car drop design. It's part of it. I was I passed by it today and I looked at it and it's beautiful. It's 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 absolutely beautiful. Um, what they were saying goes, uh, making a a a a a pig dress up. (laughs) I forgot to say. I forgot that saying about the pig. Put dressing up a pig, and then go back and go back into the mud hole. Yeah, but not this time. They got a lot of great buildings here that are very, 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 very old. Now, you want to see some unusual buildings? Go to Miami. Oh, yeah? Get out of here. Miami has some very unusual tall buildings. I mean, very unusual. 
especially How in the business district. Different shapes, different forms. I mean, the designs are crazy. It is totally crazy. And and, and most of it is uh, in the business section, the Brickle, in the Brickle section. I, I've gone through there many times. Gone through there many times, many many times. Something, something loud has number glass, all glass. And, and oh yeah, tall and oh my God, it's it's just it's it's ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous. But uh, that place is that place has the most unusual. I mean, unusual. Uh, buildings to look at. Whew, I tell you, well, and Chicago, New York. I'm sure the same thing. Chicago, yeah, I know. New York, I've seen the pictures of it, and uh, yeah, they're, they're pretty weird. All right, folks. Hmm. It's time for. The new segment. Like I said, I haven't heard any more about the about the boys. Um, any more about the boys who were stuck in the cave? Uh, I haven't heard any more about it, other than they rescued some. But, but I'm, I'm looking at. They found them. Yeah. And the rescue the rescue is like being prolonged. It's been like almost a week since they really found the boys. They were in there for two weeks. This is going on the third week. Yeah. Why does it take them so long to get those kids out out of their cave? I don't it's something to do with the they I don't know, it's it it's no air, no oxygen or something. I don't know what's going on. I, yeah, I they what's... got they, they got them big holes, like the water holes. They can pump air down into the into the place. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean. I, I understand uh, one of the rescue workers drowned. Yeah, so it must be underwater. Yeah, he was a um he was a he was a he was a Navy SEAL from um Thailand. He was a Thailand Navy SEAL. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I I haven't heard any more about it other than they did rescue some. But this story is heart-wrenching, very heart-wrenching. This is coming from Fox News Channel. Oh? Uh, missing four-month-old baby found dead in central North Dakota. North Dakota authorities have reported Finding the body of a missing four-month-old whose mother told law enforcement officers she couldn't remember the last four days or whether she left the baby. Tyler wow. Lang was found Saturday in rural northwest Sutsman County. The infant and his mother, Justice Lang of Fargo, North Dakota, has been reported missing on Monday. It's sad. It's a sad day. 
we kind of knew this was going to happen this way. But until it happens, but it's good that we that we find we did find the four months old for the families, for everyone's sake, to some to get some closure, according to the chef, Stutzman County Chef Chad Kaiser, and as according to KFYR TV, Kaiser said investigators won't know the cause of death until the autopsy is conducted. The St. Paul Pioneer Press in Minnesota reported Lane was walking when a farmer found her found her Friday morning, the paper reported. The paper quoted Kaiser said saying that the farmer drove Lane to her grandmother's Carrican North Dakota home. He said the grandmother called the police after Lane said she couldn't remember the previous four days of the location of her son. The sheriff hmm. said the search focused on the area she last remembered being with the baby according to the paper. Kaiser said Lang had several warrants out for her arrest according to the Associated Press. She was taken to a Fargo hospital with undisclosed injuries. That wow. is wrenching. So, what do you think happened? I think she did. I think she disciplined that baby. She hit him. I think she did something to, her, to that baby. I think she did. Because a good mother would kept that child with her wherever she went. Right. Exactly. You don't you don't you don't leave a child behind that age. No, 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 no. If, if she if she found if she walking down the road, that baby been with her. Right. If she could remember the last four days, that is very yeah. unusual. Very unusual. I mean, that's that's too freaky for me to find out. To, to, to <laughs> that's too that's a little bit too freaky for me. I hear you. A bit too freaky. Uh, it don't don't sound don't sound right. Mm-mm. Yeah, it not, don't. <laughs> not to judge the poor lady, but like, hey, wait a minute now, come on. That just like a, that just like a young man, uh, drove came up from on a bus, from uh, Georgia. And it's not, they said he said that somebody robbed him. Uh, he's got his suitcases and stuff, and all his money was in the suitcase. Now wait a minute. You don't <laughs> travel. You don't travel with no money in no suitcase. Your money, your money is on your body at all times. Exactly. Who the kids? Rockefeller. You know what I mean, now? So. So, so, hey, how you say? Something fishy. Very fishy. So now what? <laughs> uh, oh, boy. 
Oh, man. Maxine Waters is back in... Of course, she's back in the news. Uh, let's see. If I can get some audio here from this. I got one for you. What's that? Why is the uh, Republican Party is expanding and, and, and going so fast and, go, and, 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 and getting more, uh, more momentum nowadays? Uh-huh. What is going on? Yeah. The Republican Party is is falling apart now. Not really. Hold on here. They're falling apart now. And it's getting really, really <laughs> getting really it they getting really weird. Well, to me they done got weird, but still the idea is that people are people are voting voting Republicans into office nowadays more than what we expected. Oh yeah, that's why I'm in. That's why I'm independent. Sometimes I put it independent. Sometimes I put it Repub- I mean, a Democratic. Maxine Waters. Black leaders expressed profound. Indignation over Democratic leaders' failure to protect Maxine Waters. Dozens of self-identified black women leaders and allies wrote a letter this week exhorting top Democrats Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer for failing to protect and battle. Representative Maxine Waters. Uh-huh. The letter's signature included former Democrat National Convention Chairman Donald Brazil, during L. Sharpton, and former USDA official Shirley Sherrod called Waters anti-Maxine and said she is owed an apology. Waters, who is a Democrat from California, has not back down from her comments calling for people to confront pe- members of the Trump administration at department stores at any other place where they're seen in public. President Trump responded by calling Waters crazy and extraordinarily unintelligent. Look who's calling the kettle. <clears throat> Last month, Schumer, Democrat from New York, said on on the Senate floor that is that it is not American to call for the harassment of political opponents. For her part, Pelosi, Democratic from California, lightly debuted Waters saying that some responses to Trump's daily lack of civility have been predictable and unacceptable. In the letter obtained by Politico and dated July the 3rd, just a week ago, the black woman leader and allies charged that Schumer and Pelosi have banned a Democratic icon. 
We write to share our profound indignation and deep disappointment over your recent failure to protect Congresswoman Waters from unwanted attacks from the Trump administration and others in the GOP, the last states. The failure was further compounded by the decision to unfairly deride her as being a uncivil and un-American. Well, they know she's not being civil and un-American. She's calling them out. <laughs> she called it. She, she called it as she sees it. That's all to it. She just she just called it as she as she just called it as she sees it. And that's the way you're supposed to do. Hold those hold. And we were talking about that in Sunday school about holding your leaders accountable. Holding leaders accountable. So, they, so they're, fight, they're fighting back, huh? <laughs> wow. She, she just, she just, she, it's not the, it's not the un-American, it's not nothing civil about it. When you're wrong, you're wrong. You, you, you hear about this terror? The tariff that the Chinese is charged has laid on Americans. Uh huh. Okay, but guess what? Look what the Chinese did, though. Most of the most of the tariffs about sixty billion dollars, six zero billion dollars, right? Great day. Of tariffs that we're gonna have to come up out of our pocket with. And most of it is about food, man, food. Yep. We mess around. Don't let the farmers farm in America. Don't let the Mexican come in and help work on the farms in America. And we get most of our food from China because we've been glutton and laying back, not no gardens, no farms. No livestock, hardly. So most of our food comes from China, right? And South right. America. Especially rice and... Especially the rice. You get some of our rice from China. Well, how about... How, no, how about your fried chicken? Yeah, we... Well, yeah, we got... really? Yeah. It, 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 this tariff thing is really getting ridiculous. So that means... That means that you, if Trump tries to reduce the, the minimum wage, reduce the minimum wage and raise the food price, where where is that going to leave leave people who cannot afford to live as it is now, and they're going to cut food stamps? Exactly. So starvation in America is on the horizon. It is. I did a I, I did a program, ooh, sometime back about um um hungry in America, and it and it is really really ridiculous or worse, as 
especially in our urban cities. A lot of in our urban cities. Yep. Uh, uh, where we got homelessness, we got we got folks who are living in the cars, families living in their cars because they couldn't afford they couldn't get they couldn't afford the rent, so they have to move out, live in a car. Uh. Or the father or mother got laid off, or you know, it, it, it's 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 not it, it. This plan of his is not getting better. It's just no getting worse. Even like it, even down in uh in Chattanooga, right? Yeah, I was surprised to, to see how many tent tent cities they have. Oh yeah. It, it don't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if they had a lot of tent cities. It, it wouldn't surprise me. They're trying to do that here to uh, abolish tent, tent cities. Tent cities um, here in Georgia. They're trying to they're trying to abandon it. But the more, but they're gonna keep this up. The more they, they deal with these terrorists. Uh. You're gonna see more and more. Te- you're gonna see more and more tent cities. You're gonna start seeing more. There are some governors. Some of the governors. Wow. Decide not to go with, not to go with Trump. Go against him. And and keep the people there, the tent cities. Not not to bother people at the tent cities. There's some there's some governors who bucking against against the president. And I don't I, I don't blame them. Good. I, I don't blame them at all. Because plus we got this thing with the immigration, trying to tear these these kids apart from their from their parents. Uh, that's that's getting ridiculous. The more. The more he does, the more he 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 goes against this. The worse you're gonna see more tent cities. You're gonna see more and more immigrants coming in illegally. So he so he better change he better change his tune about some of the stuff he that he's that he's trying to legislate. I don't agree with a lot of that stuff. I really don't. And he's playing. He's playing with fire with China. China's, trying, China's being China's only, being very nice. Not and only is he playing fire with China, but how about no Korea? Korea's still not off the book yet. Nope. And then you got Russia too. Deal with. Yep. And I still got that thing about the the colluding the con. con a collusion or whatever you're talking about, whatever. Yeah. They still haven't they still haven't got that out of their system yet. Um, it, it, I'm telling you, the, 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 he keeps doing this. He keeps doing this. He's gonna. He he keeps he keep, he keep messing with the Chinese. Chinese gonna 
Chinese gonna just just say Funk you <laughs> and the horse you riding on. I'm telling you, man. Y'all hold on. Alright. They keep it up. Let them keep let Trump keep it up. Let them keep it up. Cause it's gonna get it's gonna get to the point. The mess is gonna get tired. And when it comes and when it when it comes down to re election, he's gonna be hunting votes. His popularity is all the way down to zero, almost. It's really low. And they talk about Obama being the worst president. Guess who's the worst president? Guess who it is? Yeah, him. When is he going to learn? When is he going to learn? and athletes against drunk driving. On stage, it's fun to push the limits and see where it takes me. Off stage, it's a different story. Get behind the wheel of a car after you've been drinking and you risk causing a crash, hurting, or even killing someone. When you're enjoying a few drinks, know your limit and don't push it. Plan ahead and give up the keys. You'll make it a safer weekend for everyone. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. To buy your home, you became a house-hunting ace. Learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat. And apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable. But how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. They call, send letters, email, and visit your home. They're not friends or family. They're con artists, scammers, and criminals. In times like these, it's important to learn how to protect yourself. Credit card schemes, bogus investment opportunities, and free vacation scams are just a few ways that today's criminals target you and your family. Protect yourself. Never give anyone your social security number, credit card, or bank account information unless you initiated the call. Stay informed of current scams by contacting your attorney general's office and Better Business Bureau. If you're a victim, Reporting the con to the local authorities will prevent others from suffering the same fate. To learn more about how to keep your family safe from con artists and scams, visit ncpc.org. That's ncpc.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. I'm a champion, real life shack mechanism. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Gosh, kill a little for rap. It's not your normal PSA. Don't be stupid. Don't drink and drive. If you're going to go out and have a good time, it's fine. But designate a driver to drive home. Let's stop the madness. Don't drink and drive. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Now, these opinions of this station are not necessarily the views of TalkShoe, Jam Radio Production, and its sponsors. This is... Sunday evening form. Where he where 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 he's gonna learn? Mm-mm-mm-mm. And he was talking about President Obama being the worst president. They need to change that tune. They well, really you know need to change that tune. You know why they said that? Yep. I already know what's why. All right then. <laughs> now they. They need to change the tune now. Because hmm. uh, he is definitely not the worst president. Well, for one thing, they're been talking about the rich get richer and the poor get poor. Yep. When they start when they start to messing around and, and nobody going to be able to eat, then we're going to find out because they're going to have to pay through the nose. I don't care if you are a millionaire. When the prices start to going up, on the food, and you can't tell your maid to fix caviar every day. You gonna start. You gonna start to feel in the pains of your stomach <laughs> and the wallet. <laughs> well, hey, you know they ain't gonna mess with. You know they don't want nobody to mess with that wallet. Uh uh-uh. uh So that's gonna hit them. Hit them where it hurts in the wallet. Gonna hit them really hard. I'm talking about little stupid stuff like fruits and vegetables coming yeah. all over from China. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, look, folks. How, we and, need, and how about eggs, man? Yeah, I mean, they need to. They, he he need to watch. He need to watch it because. Uh, it's getting to be the point now that it's going to, that everybody's going to kind of shun America. Well, yeah. they're going to start shunning them because of who we got in, excuse me, who we got in office. And none of, none of the leaders are not going to, they're not going to uh, uh, back them up. And you got three, they got three more years to go to? Yeah, I can't wait till three years go. Come you know and go. Much, hey, you know how much damage you can do in three years? <sighs> a lot of damage. Thank he, you. He, he's, 
if you start off making damage, you're going to end up making damage. You're going to end up making damage. Woo! I mean, it's getting to the point now that if he don't watch what he, if he don't watch it, it's going to be, he's going to have a war. Hurry, you already got a terrorist war against um, China as it is. Already. <laughs> Here's another story out of, out of Florida. African American family finds racial racist note in hotel room, businessman says. What is that all about? An African American <clears throat> millionaire and his Manhattan consultant son were victims of a fourth July hate crime in a hotel room. During a Florida vacation. Now, a racist creep apparently snuck into Frank and Michael Davis' room at the upper upscale Art Overtation Hotel in Sagatola and left a two by five poster post in note. Reading, you're a. What? You're a nigger. <laughs> Get out of here. And this is what, uh, from the post. Hey, he never, he probably never experienced that stuff before. Probably didn't. But see, uh, with us, it'd have been different. <laughs> We'd have been yeah. laughing at it at the at the note. Guess what I found? I went down to the hey. I would go down to the front desk. Look what I found in my room. Wow! Yeah. Somebody loved me. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh huh. I'd be but, like, I'd be like, at first I'm uh, I ain't a good man. I probably laugh. Yeah. I'd be laughing you know my head I mean? off. Hey, dig this. And the hotel would have been giving us free room for a month. Okay. Well, that's the way it goes, my brother. He probably, like you said, he probably didn't experience it. Never probably experienced it before. No, nah, he never experienced it. Oh, slain newspaper editor held as shy but brilliant writer. Oh, yeah, this is that, um, uh, ooh. This is, I think it's that, yeah, yeah, this is the one. The Capital Gazette editor, Rick Hutzel, wiped away tears Sunday as he read aloud some of those words for more than 150 relatives, friends, and co-workers who gathered for Freisman's funeral service and burial at Judean Memorial Gardens Cemetery. Uh, Hazel and his family said 61-year-old colleague dedicated his life to telling hard truths, no matter the topic, and the small-town editorial page editor tackled a broad range of subjects, from local politics and civil rights to annual takes on Mother's Day and high school graduations. His voice as as a writer, will be gently missed 
His wisdom cannot be replaced, Hutzel said. Freisman and four other staff, staffers were killed June 28th when a gunman who had a grudge against the newspaper attacked the, its office in, in Annapolis Authority said that the suspect, Gerard Ramos, is charged with four, five counts of first-degree murder. Hundreds of grieving families and colleagues attended memorial services recently for community reporter and editor Wendy Winters and assistant editor and columnist Robert Hassan. Memorial service for sales assistant Rebecca Smith, who's 34, who was 34, was planned for Sunday evening. Uh, a service for sports reporter John McMahon, McMahon, John McMahon, McMahon, is scheduled for Tuesday on the University of Maryland's campus. Freshman is a 1979 graduate of the University of Maryland's Journalism School and had worked at the Capitol Gazette for 26 years after 15 years at other Maryland newspapers, the Carroll County Times, longtime Capitol Gazette sports reporter, sports writer, Bill Wagner, and, and said Fresno was a stickler for accuracy, who instead of emailing colleagues would print out drafts for his editorials and leave copies on colleagues' desks for them to proofread for accuracy. Um, Rabbi Larry Shaw, who led the, the service, criminal service, was a classmate of freshmen from kindergarten to high school. Audience members laughed when Shaw recalled about how, how his childhood friend would bring an adult suitcase with briefcase to elementary school. <laughs> Joe was a child, the same person that was an adult, quiet and introvert, but extraordinarily highly intelligent, he said. He marched to the beat of his own drummer and was quite happy to do so. Um, so, we finally, they have finally put, they finally, the families had said goodbye to those to those reporters um, who were slain. And my hat goes off to those reporters. My goodness. Amen. They were some... Well, like I say, with the school shooting and all of this other uh, violent stuff that's going on, and too many people are turning their head and saying it, it ain't my business. It ain't got nothing to do with it. Hmm. It's all in the hands of the Lord. All in the hands of the Lord. And the Lord said, I put you in charge of the earth. What's yep. up with this? You know what I mean? Yeah. There's another story from Fox News. I, I like, I don't, I don't know where it is, but I like Fox News. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what Trump talking about. He don't like Fox News. Uh, Haiti Haiti unrest stands 
a number of U.S. volunteer groups. Uh, church groups in South Carolina, Florida, and Georgia, and Alabama are among those that haven't been able to leave, according to newspaper and television reports. Some flights were, return, were resuming Sunday afternoon, according to airline officials and the flight tracking website Flight Aware, American Airlines spokesman Ross Feinstein said in an email that two flights bound for Miami and one for New York had been taken off Sunday schedule Sunday Sunday afternoon. But even getting an airport could be risky, US officials warned. The US Department the US State Department issued an alert Sunday urging its citizens excuse me, on the island to shelter in place and not go to an airport unless travelers have confirmed the departure when the departing time was taking off. So there's some kind of uprising in Haiti. And there are some Americans who are there from those states who are right now who is stuck who is stuck there because of this because of this because of some unrest in Haiti. Oh, Wait, what's boy. what happened what's happening in Haiti talking about? They have some un- they have some unrest in Haiti and there's some folks from from the different states, southern states, and they have they they're stuck right now. They can't get out of the country because of this unrest. So they so they so it's being advised that they that they um um not leave until until there is a um a flight going out of the country. So there wow. they're not dumb. Huh. That don't make no sense, man. It, it, it's something going on in Haiti. They, they really didn't say. They didn't say exactly, but there's something going on there, and there's some Americans there who's right now who can't get can't get back home. They're, they're from different churches. Arizona woman, 92, shot, killed, son, who tried and put her assistant living, her insistent living, cops say. 92 years old Arizona woman, her name is Anna Blessing, had been thinking about her son's intentions to put her in a home for days. The Maricopa County Sheriff's Office stated, in a new statement, she confronted him on Monday, that Monday, with two pistols that she had in her robe, according to police. Blessing told police she removed the gun, handgun and fired multiple rounds, striking and killing her son. It was at that point that the elderly woman reportedly pointed 
the gun at her son's girlfriend and a struggle ensured. The weapon reported dislodged from Blessing's hand before she grabbed a second gun and tried to point it at the girlfriend who knocked it out of Blessing's hand. The girlfriend, the girlfriend was bad, wasn't she? That's a bad girl. That girl was bad, man. Okay. <laughs> a pistol, a a pistol, a pistol carrying grandma. Go. Yeah. After she done shot her own son, you know what though? She wasn't. She didn't really want to want to hurt that girl, the the, the, the girlfriend. No. Because if she just killed her own son. Seemed like to me the next bullet would have been at the girlfriend. Yeah. Rather than just pointed at her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because she, mama didn't play that. She ain't going to no. But mama was mad because her son was trying to put her in a nursing home. Okay. Mama ain't playing that. Uh Nah, mama. And mama said, I'd rather go to jail than to go to a nursing home. Okay. I hear, but you had to kill the boy. No, but hey, that's a, that's a shame. But that's how that's how it go nowadays. Now, put my mama. mama in. Hey, mama brought two pistols. Okay, kill bad girl. <sighs> well, my mom tried to take take take. Take it, my mom go take it, put her in a in in an institute like that. No way. <laughs> she, she go kicking and screaming before she do that. Oh, nah, man. her. Nah, hmm. I, I don't. I don't think so. Not wow. my, not my mom. No way. Wait, your mom. <laughs> Your mama's got her own apartment? Oh, she got her own house. <laughs> she got her own house. Right. She got her own house. <laughs> and she still, and she, and she going to stay there until, until she get called home. All right, now. All right. <laughs> put her, put her in a, a home? No way. I'll tell her, I'll tell her Vanessa, the Duchess will go, the Duchess will go, uh, well, she Kick and scream before she do that. Mm. You you can't blame her. I don't blame her either. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't be in no. I wouldn't be in no home like that. (laughs) Not like that. I mean, I would. I mean, if it's now, if um, if it's if it's a place like where we at now, then fine. That's just fine. Cause this this place here, the place here is mostly uh, independent living. It's mo- it's like independent. It's it's independent living. Right. Okay. But you do have some. You do have some folks who do have the do have assistance. Have somebody to come in to to help them. You know, do this. Right. Do that. But they but right. they're mostly independent, and that's that that's fine. That and that that that's fine. 
But going to a nursing home, no. <laughs> I told my, I told Vanessa, don't put me on a nursing home. I'd rather have, I'd rather, I'd rather die at home. I'd rather be at home. Like and the hospice come in and and, and do what they do. Cause that's what they did with my grandmother. My mom, oh, yeah. she, my mom, what she did was she, um, she took care of her, doing um, all during the time of grandma's, all at the times that she, until in her life, and um, she she got the beds and everything for her and uh, set the room up like set the set the room up for her and uh-huh. that's where she. Now she didn't go to a nursing home because I, I I don't think my grandma like nursing home neither. <laughs> well, actually, after you hear all them them stories coming out of them nursing home, who wants to be who who wants to go there? Exactly. And they got commercials now of lawyers, especially in Savannah. I'm I'm sure they got plenty of them over there where you at too. They got these. They got lawyers now. That specializes in yeah, this type of injuries. Yeah, they 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 do it. They they got lawyers that specializes in that. So so, if, the, so they they if if their parents if their parents um uh experience um uh nursing home is uh, abuse, they can call them and they and they'll they'll. Get the nursing home to pay up to pay them for whatever damages they are, you know what what they what they did. Um, so I I don't I, I don't blame really I really don't blame the ones who who are up in age who much much older than I am. I don't blame them because I wouldn't want to go in the nursing home. I actually visit a nurse. I went to a nursing home to visit my mother. My mother-in-law was in there, and it, it's it's a it's sad. It, it's really sad to go in there. Okay. It, it's 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 sad. Um, the, the way down the hall from where, where my my mother-in-law was. You hear this guy. You can hear somebody just moaning and moaning and groaning. And eh, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And then uh, an older minister was a little further down the hall from where where he had. I, each time I I try to visit him as much as I can. When when we go visit my my mother-in-law, I try to go visit him. Uh, he was he was up in age. And um, uh, I think he had, I think he had a case of, I think he had dementia or either Alzheimer's. I think he did. I think he had. I think he. It's one. It was one or the other. Uh, both so, of the same. Yeah. Same difference. Yeah, dementia is like the first stage. Alzheimer's is like, is when. I mean you. He just all all 
it, it just you're not like yourself. My grandfather had. It, it was sad to see him like that. Right, I hear. It was really sad. Um, my grandma put her mom in the hospital, in, in um in a nursing home. Last time I saw her, that was the last time I saw her. She was ninety six. Wow. Yeah, she was ninety six. It was just my great grandmother. Uh, I got longevity in my family. <laughs> a lot of longevity. I think the oldest grand I think the oldest grandparent is a hundred and two. A hundred and three, maybe. Hundred and two I think. She might be a little older than Papa, but I'm not sure. My great grandfather, but my great grandmother. Oh my god. Still still living? No, no, no. She 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 was she, okay. she she lived to be a hundred and two. All right now. So I got a lot, lot longevity in in our family. Uh, I had a cousin who was ninety, gosh, ninety something. She just she lived like a floor above us, and I will go every so often go there and and uh, go and see her. Uh, I didn't even know we were related, <laughs> actually. <laughs> but I know she I knew she had the last name Thomas, but I wasn't quite sure. I wasn't quite exactly sure, but it ended up that yeah, she she we were yeah, we were we related. I was like, Oh wow. And she she was up in age too. And and then my I had a another great aunt, she was a ninety how old she was, but she she recently passed about a few months ago, and uh, she we used to see her at church at church most of the time. She was she that's my that's my great auntie. That's the one who gives sugar. You doing it what? That's the one who gives great sugar. Oh okay. okay. <laughs> All right, but I like I said, I don't blame really these seniors. I really don't blame these seniors for for going off the edge like that. Especially Mama here, especially that, <laughs> especially old girl here. I don't blame her. I'll go kicking and screaming to try to put me in a nursing home. Don't put me in a nursing home. I'm not going. Yeah, we had a uh, the last the last. Uh, real job I had before I went to the soup kitchen. I worked at a uh, assistant living place to call it a residence for the uh, seniors and everything. Yeah. But these people like retired executives and stuff, right? Oh. Yeah. They back in them days. Back in, that was like in the uh, what the late eighties. Oh, okay. They were paying. Okay. They were paying a hundred dollars a day for their for their uh, their living. Wow. Yeah, they, they they paid big money because most of them were like say professional people there, you know what I mean? And okay. they had one lady, one lady, she was in business. Her and her husband was in business. They lived in Japan for a long time. Wow. They were like 
halfway millionaire, not not quite a millionaire, right? Oh. And so she was there, and her nephew became the executor. And her nephew had her put out of that uh, residence, the place that I worked at, to move her to a lower a lower price facility. Oh, Lord. The lady, the lady, like you said, over there, you have to be like about 70 years old, more or less, or more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Most of, them, yeah. most of them got around. They did what they had to do, some in a wheelchair. Yeah. They had, they had their own private uh, people to come in to sit with them, uh, take care of them, and medication, whatever. Yeah. And we provide the food for them. A little uh, entertainment, whatever, however. Yeah. You know what I mean? But this dude had his aunt put into a smaller facility and and, and took her all her stuff out of out of her room. Cause it was more or less like an apartment. Okay. Like a, what you call it? Um, like a large room and then a, a bedroom, like on the side, like you know what I mean? Okay. Okay. With a little kitchenette, but you ain't supposed to be cooking in there. Oh, okay. But you can bring your food up and heat it up if you want to, that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. Because they had me as a chef there. Oh. You know, yeah, man, you used to be surprised how some of these people, how they used to be in catered to and big time and stuff. Shoot. I I had to bring up, I had to come up with some some food lines and budgets and menus. Oh yeah. Just like just like they were used to living at their home. Yeah. And I got paid I got paid good money too. So I'll tell you. But like I said, dude, this this guy took this lady's money, her nephew, and had her put into a, a smaller facility with less less quality service, you know what I mean? I think it broke that woman's heart. It had to, man. I know it had to. Because you know what it was? He's scared that she might live a little longer than what he expects and, and, and use up all of that money. $100 a day ain't no, ain't no joke. Yeah. But But she had the money. But but like I say, who knows how much? So he like, uh-uh, let me get some of this money, auntie. <laughs> <laughs> but look here, brother, man. It's about that time, and my, my phone is getting down to the red spot, red zone. Yeah. Because so, you, hear, you hear my music in the background. All right, now bring it on up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, brother. I'll talk to you later. You have a wonderful, wonderful week. Yep, and keep Vanessa, keep Vanessa in your prayers. She she had procedure this week, this past weekend, and she's she she's good. She's in pain, but she's good. All right, now. I'll probably I'll probably do a message tomorrow. I don't know. Okay. I was I was thinking about doing one tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All the pins. All right, I'll catch you later, bro. All right. Take care and have a wonderful, blessed day. Bless you too. All right. Bye now. Bye-bye.
the views and opinion of this of this program are not necessarily views of TalkShoot, Generated Protection, and TalkShoot and Generated Protections. This has been Nature Talk, Public Affairs and News Program, and Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Be sure to join us next Sunday for another Nation Talk right here on Talk Show and Jam Radio. Till then, God bless you. Good night. Have a wonderful and blessed week. And be heat smart. Thanks for listening. Talk is a presentation of Jam Radio Productions. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.